Hello, this is episode 128 of Speech Therapy <coughs> a speech therapy podcast by me, Chris Way, Speech Therapist. Um, for those who haven't kind of listened to them before, I do, I record these podcasts whilst I'm driving, um, hands free obviously, I'm not distracted. Um, and I don't edit them, I literally just say, um, say what I'm thinking and then press send or publish um, when I stop the car. So, uh, I was really lucky yesterday. I went to I was, I was commissioned by a family to uh, go and review uh, how an autistic young young one was doing in a specialist setting, a uh, local authority maintained specialist setting, and I was absolutely blown away by the the level of competence um, in the the teaching assistant, the teacher. I was just I was so happy walking in. Um, it was a really lovely, calm environment. It was a high ratio of adult to children. It was clearly a specialist setting, but um, often specialist settings are specialist by name, but not often by nature, or that's my experience. Uh, but the level of expertise coming from the, the, the young teacher um, and from the, uh, the teaching assistants was fantastic. They really understood the young people that I were that were in the room. And the young, the, the young ones that I was there to, um, to kind of clinically observe and assess, um, they pretty much did my job for me. They knew exactly where they were um, and knew what it, and shared absolutely everything. It was it was wonderful. Uh, there were concerns raised by the teacher about kind of lack of um, any intervention from the on on site speech therapist because they're so stretched. Um, and when I explained why I was there, I'm not there to criticise. I'm there to to work out a positive kind of map forward in terms of intervention and yes it'll most likely go to an appeal um the teacher is their eyes lit up they're like oh wow that'd be amazing if, if we could get some some intervention in this classroom whether it be further training whether it be into um direct or indirect intervention programs targets um then then we'll we'll we've, we welcome you with open arms um so i um yeah, I think so. Was a, this, this young person um, is a, a PEX user. I'm not a big fan of PEX. Um, and they are very prompt dependent. Um, they have some Macaton signs, but the more approximations and difficult for, for non unfamiliar people to understand and interpret. Um, they use their voice, um, but use, use their voice um, not often with. Um, what I would describe as communicative intent. They're not trying to get your attention, They're trying to convey something, but but do use their voice um, in what what feels like a kind of a self self stimulatory uh, way. Um, and so I'm I'll be kind of trying to work out because um, there's no there's no occupational therapy in either because but it's all about kind of alternative or offensive communication. There's a couple of um, young people in the classroom that use high-tech AAC um, that the teacher and the teaching staff were like yes we'd love it for this young person but we need guidance as to which one and uh, once to know which one we can then run with it so I'll be speaking with the OT um, I think the OT saw this, this young one about two and a half years ago so when he's been updated OT I think parents are commissioned a private OT as well so we can work together um, on what should happen with regards to an AAC assessment, 
Um, I, I have explained that my, that isn't my remit. My remit isn't to say this child needs X, Y, and Z in terms of specifics with regards to um, an AC, the particular AAC hardware or software, um, but it's to ensure that we have a, a, a reasonable amount of time for the speech and therapist to be able to do that once they get to know the school, once they get to know the, the class and the, and the actual uh, young person. So um, today I am heading off towards the Midlands um, for a, a child that was uh, recently discharged. Um, the, the parent has been very vocal about, about this um, and I offered to, to go over to, to meet with the child, leave the school and come up with a plan with regards to one, uh, an appeal ready report should it need to go to an appeal, uh, but also kind of a second opinion as to, okay, what what does this child need? They they were they were discharged with the understanding that if they continue to have speech language communication needs that, that were unmet. <clears throat> um, but my my role is to come in and just say, right, okay, this this is what I feel based on my experience this child needs, um, rather than this is what is happening. I don't I don't care about the history. I don't care about um, what is available locally. My this is what this is the whole thing about doing appeals. Like you, you don't even have to consider what placements are available or what provision is available locally. Um, it's always helpful to just have that in the back of your mind. But you're not you're supposed to be basing your recommendations on the clinical need um, rather than what is available. So I'll be looking at everything with this child. Um, it feels like it's going to be an informal assessment. I brought some informal assessments, informal assessments with me as well, just in case. Um, gathering some data from the for the parents that already happened. I think I'm speaking to the father um, later on today. But also uh, gathering data from from the placement to really work out what's been working, what's not working. Um, to put a plan together with regards to ensuring that they have the the right level of intervention at least for the next academic year um, with regards to um, the EACP. I'm not even certain if this young person's got an EACP. Um, I, as, I, as I've explained a lot of times, I go in blind. Like I, I know a name, I know a date of birth, and sometimes I know a diagnosis. But these, the, the labels are not helpful for me. Um, the ages are helpful if I'm going to be doing a standardised assessment. But outside of that, um, just knowing a child's name and going in and doing a clinical observation and literally covering and looking at kind of just from the observation, social interaction, social communication skills use of languages, um, or use, use of language, um, intonation, um, use of gaze, body uh, body language, uh, including gestures, and their ability to follow instructions, either the last person in the line following the instruction, are they, are they needing the, the context of what um, what the instruction is, um, such as everyone's putting their coat on and their putting their coat on, um, take some language samples, look at how complex the instructions are from the teaching team, look at the ratio of child to adult, or the adult to child, how they integrate in with their peers, um, are they initiating conversations, are they using language uh, for different functions, so it's a request, comments direct, for example. So I'm looking at all of that before I do an assessment, um, and that's why the observation is often key. Some of the problems are sometimes parents, the anxious children, tell them they're going to be observed, because of observed the paradox, I then don't observe. I can't, I can't observe a child that knows they've been observed because it could modify their behaviour. And I don't want to do anything that could sabotage 
how my evidence could be interpreted in the tribunal or in lead up to the tribunal. Right, uh, I've got two hours or an hour and 50 minutes of my journey left. Um, nice short one today. Um, everyone take care and have a wonderful day.